Welcome to the Cyber Life Podcast. Remember, if you like this podcast, don't forget to subscribe, download, rate, five stars, of course, and share this podcast with everyone you know. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Cyber Life Podcast. My name is Ken Underhill. I'm your host, and I'm here with an awesome guest today. He's really experienced in the industry, O'Shea Bowens. Uh, he's got a lot of background on the blue team side of things if you're kind of new to the, to the industry and you hear that terminology. So incident response, forensics. Uh, if you ever want to learn about that stuff, he's probably the best person to, or one of the best people, at least in the industry, to reach out to. Uh, he's been doing it quite a while. Um, I'm not going to say the number of years because I don't want to uh, date him or anything like that um, <laughs> <laughs> to, and, and let out about his, his age or anything. But uh, definitely an experienced guy. Uh, he's also uh, a co-host on, on another podcast called Intrusion Diversity System Podcast. Um, they've got a little uh, break right now before they start filming again, so uh, he was fortunate enough to have enough time and dedicate some time to jump on here and just kind of talk about his experience and uh, what he's doing right now and that sort of stuff. Um, so I'm going to turn it over to you, O'Shea. Uh, I, I just kind of gave a high level there, but uh, do you mind just kind of sharing with the people? And again, I've got kind of a broad range of people that listen to this from people trying to get in the industry, people in the industry, as well as um, actually small business owners out there as well. So we might talk about that type of stuff on, on a little bit today, but do you mind just kind of sharing, like, how'd you get started in cyber? Did you, did you come a certain path? Like most people, like maybe from networking or, or was all this just kind of a brand new thing for you? Uh, well, thanks for having me first. No, uh, absolutely. Foremost. Yeah. Uh, the start, it, I, so to go back a bit, the, I guess the real introduction is to cyber for me started in actually the sixth grade. Um, okay. I was in a computer class in sixth grade. Uh, I've heard this story before, but if, I mean, if you heard this story before, you have to forgive me. But essentially, uh, I was in a computer class in sixth grade. Uh, me and my best friend, Sam, uh, we were doing like light programming and, you know, helping design like really, really like 2D like video games in our class. Okay. And that summer, I think it was right before summer hit, if I remember right. But basically, I was, we're walking home. And my buddy Sam's like, hey, uh, you're going to come over and play Star Fox, like Star Fox on N64. And I was like, yeah, cool. That's fine. Uh, he's like, oh, my mom bought this movie. She said we might like it. It's about like some guys doing some stuff with computers. And I, was, and I asked him what the movie was. And he said, hackers. I was like, oh, it, sounds, it sounds cool. Like, all right, yeah, I'll, I'll check it out. So this was uh, like the first introduction I saw, you know, what was possible with uh, computers. Okay. And around that time, that's kind of when I got hooked. So after that, so this was like, you know, sixth grade. So I don't know, maybe I was 12 or 11. I can't recall what age I was. I think I was 12. Uh, after that, I started, you know, perusing around different like AOL chat rooms. AOL was fairly big at the time. And uh, the curiosity I had was really understanding how the internet worked, right? Like I, you know, even from a chat room perspective, you started finding these little, uh, essentially like bat, uh, bat scripts you could run that would allow you to knock off other people's uh, connection to their chats if they were open the script. Like it was like really small stuff, but I didn't understand how they worked. I was really like basically, I guess that quote unquote term skip kitty. I was like, Hey, I was like, this looks <laughs> cool. Like give it to me. Let me try it. I'll run it. You know, I had no idea what the heck I was doing. I was like, yeah, it sounds cool. Like, I can knock someone off a room. Like I'll do it. You know? Uh, so, uh, you know, got introduced at that, at that part of my life, uh, went through high school, still, still did some stuff on, on, uh, was still interested in, uh, computers and kind of the internals and how like uh, the internet works like curiosity never went away uh, and went to college ended up leaving college to work at a startup and after the startup got sold i went to go work for uh, a pretty large telecom company as my like official first professional job outside that startup 
And that was actually on the networking side of this telecom company. Uh, at the time, this was like maybe 2008. There wasn't really uh, a lot of there wasn't really a lot of security jobs out there. I'm originally from Dallas, Texas, so in the area there weren't a massive amount of uh, of cybersecurity roles. Uh, it took me about a year and a half to find a role at another telecom that was that was starting up in Dallas that was uh, headquartered there, and then from there I just kept going. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. And I know uh, I know you've done some consulting, like you know federal government, um, you know big companies, Fortune 500, probably Fortune 100 as well. Um, any, any sort of advice you would give, like, let's say there's somebody out there listening right now that's, that's kind of experienced, like say an incident response, maybe they got, you know, three to five years or whatever, and they're looking to sort of move into more of the consulting role. Is there any type of advice as far as like training or certain things they, they probably want to make sure their skills are pretty solid on? Yeah, I, I mean, I, one, the first piece of advice would be, you know, understand your core skill set. I think, you know, certs are great. Uh, there's like, you know, there's a lot of different bodies that offer certification, especially like SANS. Those are all like wonderful. They have like amazing instructors. But I always advise, and at least this is something I do with myself, is to look internal to understand like where my weaknesses and where my strengths are mm -hmm. before I dive down the route of, of training, right? Because you can have, you know, you can pay up to like seven or $8,000 within a year for the training. But if you don't fully grasp it or you can't fully utilize it, you know, you kind of wasted that money, right? Mm -hmm. um, one of the things, at least one of the advice I got when I was fairly young was from older individuals at the time. Uh, it was really try to get exposure to as many environments as possible because that, that helps create like this internal matrix within yourself of like different uh, systems, different uh, networks, more complex networks, more small net or smaller networks. Uh, and you start to kind of broaden your horizon or broaden your skill sets from different aspects of like attack and defense. So if you're working for a smaller network, you know, maybe they have, I mean, a smaller company they, and they may have a smaller budget, you know, understanding how you can utilize certain tools there or how you can create choke points or countermeasures to help defend them versus, you know, a larger network or a larger company, say, you know, one of the top banks, you know, where they, they're spending, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars each year and you have access to all these different tool sets. And then there's different, uh, there's different problems you're seeing from a different, from the larger clients, right? The larger clients, maybe they're subject to, you know, uh, layer three type of attack, whether that's like DDoS or whether they're looking at uh, individuals attacking their application, uh, ind individuals targeting their backend, you know, and, and or individuals attempting to sabotage, uh, uh, to sabotage their data. Like, like, you run into these, you run into different problems depending on the, the vector of that particular business, but also the, the size of the company. So really like from a consultancy side to kind of let the long draw that is, you know, I would look, I look at the consultancy side as like, hey, if you can do something for six, nine, 12 months and then move on to something else, like that's all the better because it ramps up your knowledge. At least that's what I felt like it did for me. You know, the, the hindrance there is at times you will go, you know, if you're interviewing for a role, they see you consulted a lot, it's almost like a negative, but, in my mind, I, I look at someone that's consulted for, you know, a few, a few years, five, six, seven years, and if they have a breadth of experience that they can apply and they're willing to kind of work full time in one place, that's like a key grab, you know, because versus, you know, someone that's kind of in one role for six or seven years in the same environment, you know, when they move out, it's like, well, what else have you seen? It's like, well, I haven't seen much, out, much outside of our environment. And we all know, typically most environments and uh, most uh, employees and most organizations, they're not changing too much on the tech stack front. So whatever stack is there, you know, from your start date to like five, six years, five, six, five or six years in the, in the future is likely going to remain the same. So you can't, 
you know, grow and gain a lot of that exposure. No, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and that actually kind of brings up a, a good question then. So let's say that I'm working in that employer and I've been there, you know, six, seven years and I, and maybe I don't want to do the consulting thing because I'm kind of like, well, you know, my family or, you know, whatever, whatever type of thing going on. Um, do you recommend certain sort of training? I know we kind of touched on certs a little bit there. Would you kind of recommend something like that? Or would you recommend that the person maybe just really tries to talk to other people that are maybe working as consultants to figure out, okay, what else is out there? What other types of, you know, setups are there? Yeah. I mean, I'm a big proponent of like, if you're not happy in your role, you know, you should probably bail. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it, it's an odd thing to, the way I, I have this conversation a lot. Like I don't, uh, I'm not a historian, but if you look at what's kind of happened from the workforce, if you look at a historical context of like what's how the workforce was developed and how we got like eight hour days from like the Henry Ford operational plant, mm -hmm. uh, we've kind of become accustomed to this. Okay. You go into one, one role and, and then you kind of just stick it out. Right. Um, and we don't apply that type of logic to anything else in our life. Like if you're in a bad relationship, you know, and you're husband or wife is cheating on you. you, you no one says, okay, well give it two more years and maybe it'll work out. Like, it's, okay, <laughs> right. it's time to get out of there. So I don't know why we don't have that when it comes to like work, work, like any type of like uh, employment either. Like sometimes you kind of just catch a raw deal. Like employers dump employees because, you know, maybe what they saw in the interview isn't what was presently there at the time. And then it could be vice versa for you. Maybe what they told you you were going to do when you come in and two years pass, you're not really focusing on what you'd like to work on. Let's say you are in that SOC, like a, a security analyst position or a junior analyst position. And, you know, you've told them, hey, I want to work. And I hear this a lot. Like I want to work on pen testing or I want to move into uh, malware analysis, or I want to move into uh, application security. And then sometimes employers will say whatever to get you through the door. Like, yeah, okay, we'll let you do that. You know, we'll yeah, figure yeah, it out. Yeah. And then, you know, two years have passed and you're kind of doing the same thing. You're still looking at alerts from a SIM or something along those lines. So it's like, well, what do you do, right? So if you can find a way to, cert to get, to become certified in the area that you're interested in, hey, that's all the better because you're kind of betting on yourself at that, at that point. Maybe your employer pays for it, maybe they won't. You should prepare yourself. They may not pay for it. But placing that aggression and that focus into something that's going to, that's going to uh, enhance your skill set and enhance your knowledge is always like the best bet. I'm a big believer in like, you know, you better yourself first. Like if you're going to wait for someone to tell you, you know, this is what you are, this is who you are, this is what you can do, then that's kind of like a losing position. And I don't mean like in a negative way, like, you know, go yell at your boss. I'm just saying like, <laughs> you should have to kind of take inventory of what's going on in your life and what's going on in your career. So if that's cert, is truly going to help you move to like the next level, then yeah, definitely go do it. Or if that cert, if you believe that cert is going to get you like a different role, then most definitely follow your passion. You know, you shouldn't, you, I, don't, I don't believe you should ever let anyone kind of have full promotion over your life. Like they can promote you in a role, but they can't promote you in where you're going in life. Like you have to kind of take that route yourself. No, absolutely. Absolutely. So you're kind of, so you, you founded your own, you know, basically a consulting company. Um, and I checked it out a little bit cause that's just, that's just what I do. <laughs> um, so I, I do have people that, that listen to this, that are s small business owners, maybe me, you know, medium size. Um, I think probably the only person I can think of that's listening to this, that has a, a larger, um, company. It's not, it's not even characterized as an enterprise, right? Cause they don't have the employee level, but income wise, revenue wise, um, it's, it's a over a hundred million dollar company. 
Oh, wow. And any, any advice, and we'll just say for small business owners out there that are like, well, you know, hey, this is all nice what O'Shea is saying, but I don't have money for like an entire team. I don't have money for to hire somebody for security. I'm probably going to have to use a consultant or I may have to just do it myself. Any advice out there on, on either, you know, websites, standards, video training, like anything that maybe a small business owner um, could do, and even, even just best practices you might recommend to clients, any, any type of advice that like, if I'm a small business owner out there right now and I'm listening to this, that I could take away and go potentially apply in my business today to just make things a little more secure on, on the data? Yeah, I think, you know, if you look at some of the, uh, like the, like some of the frameworks out there, like, you know, if you look at, like, we'll take NIST, for instance, they have, I mean, NIST has gotten so popular, and there's so much research around and so many papers around, there's almost like a top 10, you can kind of check off in regards to what you need, initially, right off the bat to build a security program, right, like how you secure your data, how you, how you create protocols around data at rest, how you ensure that your networks are secure. Uh, uh, any, ensure that you have a proper patch, patch management program. Like some of these are kind of like easy fixes. And if you don't have the staff, uh, you know, maybe if you do have that technical background, it's these are areas you can tackle on your own, depending on how large your company is and what your what your budget is, right? Um, right. I think there's so much research out there around, you know, from a framework perspective of how to build out, you know, uh, a security a security program that meets those qualifications. From a staffing side. Um, it's actually one of the main reasons I actually started NOHAT. Uh, I've trained individuals on different teams uh, from leading teams, and I've had to like create internal uh, training uh, programs and internal and content and curriculum. And one of the things I've noticed was uh, there really wasn't a way to ascertain where someone's knowledge and skill sets were. So I built out. Uh, we'll start demoing next month. Actually, this isn't like a total pitch, but it's basically a cyber range product that allows you to determine where someone's strengths and skill sets are. Because you may not have the budget to send, you know, your people off to whatever the training is, right? So what do you do then? Do you allow them to become stagnant, or do you attempt to go over your budget and bring in more people? Like, like what's your choice in those situations? And I and what I found is, if you have a way to almost create this circular knowledge sharing amongst your team by, you know, like I, like I found this when I created internal training, like when I created internal training, there were some individuals that excelled in some areas and some individuals that didn't, but because we all work together, we're on the same team, we were able to create that knowledge share and where other individuals weren't as strong, the, the stronger individuals could help them out, right? So they didn't understand, you know, let's say like uh, packet analysis or they didn't understand essentially how to create content or filter on certain rules for like our, our tools, like we could actually share that knowledge and, and upskill everyone. Uh, one of the, that was like one of the main reasons I wanted to start NoHead. I was like, there has to be a way to kind of create this internally and allow individuals to keep testing themselves and, and let them and give them the capability and the manager the capability to understand who sits where from a knowledge and skill sets and where they can likely improve and how they can best be leveraged. It's a tricky, it's a tricky aspect of cyber because you hear these numbers around, you know, it's gonna be, you know, two million jobs. And you know, by twenty twenty four, you hear you hear these large numbers, but then it right, comes to right. okay, at the base of that or the basis of that is like, how do we get those individuals skilled up? Like, it's great to see more programs that are that universities are implementing, but cyber or information security is still a fairly new. It's a fairly new practice, right? It's not like law or medicine mm -hmm. or or just uh, we'll say like science or so, like uh, humanities or something along those lines, right? There isn't like 
a hundred years of research that you can pump into building that proper curriculum. Like we're all kind of learning this on the fly. So coming out of school with like that degree is great, but then what happens once you're inside of your role and some of the things you learned in school are a bit outdated, you know? So it's, it's, it's a delicate balance. Like I'm a, I'm a big believer in trying to it, it train internally and, and upskill your people first and then, you know, maybe send them off to training. Cause I've been a part of that. We've sent people off to training and they come back and it's like, Hey dude, what'd you learn? And it's like, uh, uh, I don't know. Like we saw some <laughs> tools, we, we played with some tools. Uh, the instructor told, told us some pretty cool stories. I met some cool people. Maybe I went out in Vegas and had some drinks and then, you know, now I'm back at work. So, but, but when you, when you task them with, Hey, if we're going to send you off to this training, you need to bring back something we can leverage internally. You know, I think that's a better approach. And then, you know, you can kind of create that knowledge sharing. Um, but in regards to training, I'm a big believer in like, at least from the reason why I built the company was to create this platform and this, and this tool or the cyber range so we could actually determine where our guys and girls actually, actually sit from the knowledge and skill based side. Nice. Nice. Yeah. And I think that's, that's definitely one of the challenges. Um, and I, I could, I can speak from perspective of, of having my master's in cybersecurity that most of the stuff I learned was outdated. Um, even by the time I graduated, I was like, well, this is old stuff. <laughs> so, uh, so I, well, I definitely, uh, you know, yeah, I, you know, I think, I think it's a good foundation, but yeah, I, I agree that a lot of this, um, you, you really just need to keep up training your people on, on things. And also from the, the teaching side of this, like I've had, like I left school, so I didn't, I, I don't have my degree. I'll probably go back. I don't know, but you know, but I, I but I left school and I've spoken to at least four or five times I've been in this position where, I've met some individuals from a university and they're like, Hey, you'd be a great adjunct professor. Like we would, we look, we definitely looking for more uh, individuals that have real world experience, help strengthen our curriculum and come in and talk to our students. And you go down this route of like, yeah, that'd be awesome. Let me know when the semester starts or what your curriculum looks like. And when you, you know, you'd like me to come and then you get to the point like, Oh, you don't have a degree. Yeah. never mind. We can't work. <laughs> it's like, wait, yeah. what? <laughs> like, it's like, okay, well, like I, I guess you it, it's a it's a weird expectation I understand they want to uh, maintain that the I guess the perspective of like hey, which we are higher education everyone has a degree that we're teaching with but it's like well if you're looking to reach back in the community and pull people in to the education side to help you know review your curriculum or help train the next the next generation of defenders or our cybersecurity uh, professionals it's like some of those people probably won't have degrees. <laughs> like I've worked with a ton of people that are just super solid with no degree whatsoever. <laughs> no, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And that's definitely one of the challenges with it. Um, and even the level of degree, right? Like a lot of, a lot of them require a master's minimum. And the people that I do know in the industry with degrees, most of them don't have a master's. They just have a bachelor's or even an associate's degree. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just one of those things, right? Where like, if we want to really solve the problem, we're going to have to be flexible on how we educate people. Yeah, it's, it's a tricky, yeah, like I said, it's a tricky balance. Like we're all yeah. kind of, I think we're all learning in this area. Like I try to stay abreast with any nonprofits that are, that are focusing, like they're focusing in this area. So, but it's, uh, we'll get there eventually. I, I have faith. It's too critical not to. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. So are, are you willing to share? I know, I know um, on your LinkedIn, you don't really share what search you have. Are you are you willing to share that on the podcast with everyone, or is that still sort of classified? 
type of stuff. Not really classified. Yeah, I think, no, I mean, I know my, <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's just because I feel like they, once they see that, they kind of just pump you. Like people scrape LinkedIn. If you didn't oh, know. goodness. Like, yes. So, <laughs> I can tell you many stories. No, some yeah. people don't know that. They're like, yeah. why am I getting all these weird emails like about job roles? I'm like, yeah, because they're scraping LinkedIn or they're scraping. Maybe yeah. you applied via Monster or Dice or something like that at one point, And they pretty much just scrape that and call you like relentlessly even though it's something that's not even up your alley or even a build your end. Like I've gotten calls for uh, applicate, like uh, software engineering roles. I'm like, dude, nowhere on my resume does it mention software <laughs> engineering. Like, why are you even calling? <laughs> uh, no, I have like currently my 504 is current. I did the CEA to CCNA. I think those lapsed just because I was like, well, I kind of got what I needed. I'm not going to keep paying you guys for the right. sake of paying you. I'm not going to keep kind of take more. I'm not going to keep taking more things that don't, more certs that, that don't directly relate to what I'm doing. And maybe this is the lazy man's approach. <laughs> I don't know, but I feel like I know so many people that actually have like CC, uh, NP and CCIE. Like, I was like, why am I gonna pay to take it again? And I can just ping them. <laughs> like, like if I get stuck, <laughs> exactly, yeah. I could call like one of my good friends who's like CCNP on the way to CCIE. Like if I get stuck, I can just ping, ping him at like 2 a.m. Like, hey, I have a question, you know? Right. So, <laughs> It's some of the, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not bashed on any other industries, but it's, it's, it's really like, again, this goes back to what I said, does it fit your core need in the direction you're going? Like at one point, the CCNA did, but then, you know, I kind of moved past it. So do I really need to pay them to keep going through Cisco search? Like, no, like, why, why would I do that? Uh, so did CCNA, I did the CEH when I was like, like 1920, I think I did, I did CEH. I'm <laughs> uh, uh, working on the 508 right now for SANS. Uh, okay. And then uh, most likely after that, I'll look into one, uh, look at something around like malware analysis. Eventually, I'll get to CSSP, but that's another one I feel like people kind of dive into. They dive into it a bit early. Like I, I have requests on, not a request, I get DMs on Twitter. And even when, I, when, I, when I've interviewed people, I'll take a good example. Like I've interviewed ind individuals for sock roles mm -hmm. recently over the last like two years with other with, uh, recent employers. And they come in and, you know, they're pretty light from a technical side, which is fine because we can always train them up or upscale them. Uh, but then you ask, you know, what about what's their motivation or their passion, what they're looking to do next. And I've had people flat out just say like, oh, I'm going to go, I, I did the CEH, now I'm going to go take the CISP. <laughs> it's like, wait, why? Why are you going to take the CISP? It's like, oh, I want to become a manager. And it's like, I don't think you're going to get this job. Like, it's kind of frightening that you, you have this idea of just like, if you get the CISP, you automatically become a manager. And it's right. frightening because it's almost true. Like it seems like a lot of the a lot of the job wrecks out there they have CISP on there, and it's like, well, why do they need the CISP? Like, why does an analyst need a CISP? <laughs> like, explain that to me. No, exactly. Yeah, um, yeah. I actually get a lot of entry level people that want to go get CEH. I'm like, well, no. You know, once you start off, if you're going to do certs, get your network plus, get your security plus, go get the job, and then get some experience, and then go for you know. If you decide that pen tester is the way you want to go, or if you decide that you know, um, you know, like incident response is the way to go, then then do those slightly more advanced certs to kind of build up throughout throughout your career. Um, yeah, and I think I think you know it's one of those things like you were saying about the job postings that if I look at job postings out there and I only see like CISP or CEH as the majority of the roles, I'm thinking okay, that's what I need to go get, as opposed to I just need to try to get that first job and get experience and then move up in, in my career. Yeah, it's, 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 <laughs> it's a weird thing. I mean, what I would suggest to anyone is like, if you're going to go that route, go get like a Linux plus or one of the sysadmin search and then network and a networking one. Like, cause those are the core areas you're going to need to build upon anything in security. Like there is this, 
like I love my field and like, honestly this is like pretty much mostly all I wanted to do well I went to college originally for like fashion design so the idea was to create like awesome dresses and then hang out with models that was like my original plan because <laughs> like, I figured like how do you get to these Hollywood you see like these like these things on tv and these Hollywood parties like beautiful women like, right you there if you're not an actor and my thought was like and I liked and I'm, a, I'm a big fan of like fashion I was like oh I'll just start making clothes and I'll go to school for fashion design and then I can get invited to those parties I'm a winner <laughs> but I still have that whole that whole aspect of like security and technology like never went away so I just you know it was a pipe dream to become a fashion designer I don't know maybe I'll start designing dresses again who yeah, knows you, yeah you never know throw you know throw like a security angle on it I think that I think you may have a winner there right <laughs> but one of the but one of the things also when you're looking for those jobs it's like it's like one who's right in the wreck and I think it's kind of broken in regards to how managers write their regs I think a lot of managers are looking at themselves and like what they possess and they expect individuals to come in from right. that side you know like it, it's weird like I know like, like one of my mentors is Deja Diamond from Cypress and she's like unveiling a, a pretty cool uh, tool at, Bla at, De at DEF CON or at Black Hat to kind of answer this stuff. I mean, if you go to that, I think you're going, you said you're going to Black Hat. So if you go to yeah. Black Hat and you find uh, uh, Deja's, uh, uh, her, her talk, like she's kind of like approaching this and she specializes in, you know, matching individuals with roles. But it, it's odd because like the way she's thought, I've heard her talk her thoughts. Like, I, like I, she's someone like I adore and I listen to like a lot just like from a, a, mentor, a mentorship perspective. Like the way she thinks about how people should get hired versus the way everyone else does is like so different. And, and I've been on that side of that before. I've been set up to go in interviews and I'm like, this is not the role you told me about. Right. <laughs> like, like, what do you want me to do here? Yeah, it's definitely, um... Yeah, we've all kind of uh, been there. At least those of us in the industry have been kind of set up with uh, some strange things at times. <laughs> some, some things I've been like, what? What is this? Um, so we've, like I said, we've kind of got a different or, you know, a, a sort of a broad audience that, that watches this and I, or, uh, listens to the podcast. And I would say that it's probably three main types. Um, and I think I might have mentioned it before. So like, you know, those people trying to get in the industry, those people trying to, or those uh, people um, in the industry working, you know, maybe mid-level experience. And then um, recently, like I said, small business or business owners. Um, any advice kind of looking at that trifecta uh, from that you want to offer those three types of people? So the people trying to get in, in the industry, and you mentioned some good advice, by the way, on the podcast already. Uh, but any advice for people trying to get in the industry, people already in the industry that are maybe, as you, as you talked about, looking to move to a different role or looking to kind of pivot um, from the defensive to the offensive or vice versa? And then any advice, any additional advice for like business owners out there that are trying to just secure things better so they can, you know, keep their business going? Yeah, sure. I mean, I'll start at the beginning. So individuals that are looking to get into the industry, one of the most kind of amazing tools that wasn't really around 10, 15 years ago was like Twitter. Like I, I have lists of individuals in different areas of InfoSec uh, that I follow for really updates or research or just their opinion on different areas. Like I have a list for like ICS, some for threat hunting, some for incident response, some for digital forensics. You know, look at individuals that are in the type of positions that are, and that are doing the work that you, I mean, it sounds weird to say this, but you fantasize about, right? Like, like if it's something that you're really passionate about, I think it's something that you likely dream about and you think about all the time, right? So vis-a-vis -vis like a fantasy. So look at those individuals that are like in these roles and doing this type of work that you fantasize about and then try to reach out to them, one. I mean, I think most people that I know, most of my peers, they're pretty open. Like if you DM them or send them an email, they're likely going to respond. Uh, 
and then ensure that you know this kind of goes into the second part individuals that are in there in that are already in the field ensure that you have a path within you from your employer that allows you to reach the level or move into that specific practice that you that you're seeking right so like going back to the you know your work you come in like everyone else like i did you worked in a sock uh, and then you begin and then you're introduced to different areas of security whether that's ir whether that's forensics whether that's intel uh or security engineering or devops whatever it may be and then have those honest conversations with you know your your manager or your director in regards to how you can get there and how they can help you um aside from that you know again always invest in yourself so if you have that idea or you know going back to what i said for the first uh, example that fantasy of what you want to do you know look around at you know you'll go look around at some of the certifications go look at some of the conferences that are ongoing you don't have to go to the massive conferences like you don't have to go to defcon and black hat but look at local meetups around you look at isc squared look at issa look at uh isaca like look at these uh, meetings that are occurring around you that either a individuals that are leading these security programs attend uh or b individuals in your position uh that are, that you can communicate and network with so when those opportunities open up in, in your city and your town you know you have a connection with someone um although we are kind of like super nerdy i mean we're all I think most people in like in, in IT tend to be kind of nerdy and extra and uh, introverts to push yourself kind of into the area you would like to be career wise you have to kind of embrace a bit of the extrovert side so you're gonna have to get out and speak to individuals and network a bit right I mean at least I feel that way because that uh, the other route is like what's the other choice it's like you kind of just go at it alone and hope something pops up in in that favors you like that's a that's a difficult that's a difficult route to take uh, from the from individuals that are running the business, um, really take take stock of what is essentially key to your business, right? Or like we like for what I like to say, like the term we use when we're engaging in threat modeling exercises, is like you know what are your crown jewels? Like what makes your business run? What is the area of importance in your network that if that were attacked, it would hinder your business or cripple your business or bring you down for X amount of hours, which equates to X amount of dollars. Uh, looking at that area of uh, your crown jewels or the area of importance, then we're going to formulate a plan or ask the question of how can I secure that? Um, that conversation should be had with, you know, if you don't have a security team, your, your networking, uh, your networking engineers or your system administrators, uh, if you have an application, a web app that's on, that's out for, uh, for usage for, uh, and individuals pay for, you know, there's a conversation with your developers, like how are we integrating security into our current, uh, into our current tech stack? But also, how are we enabling ourselves to respond to an attack? Uh, what I've seen before from consulting, I guess this goes back to consulting a lot, but I've seen programs that threw a crazy amount of money at perimeter defense. But if someone, once someone walks past, you know, the SIM or the IDS and the firewall, it's like, well, what do we have in place right now to kind of to trade to track them? Right? It's like, oh, nothing. It's like we spent all our money on the perimeter. So once they got past that. We have no idea of where they are internally, so we have to. Do, now you have to develop some type of custom scripts. You're sitting down with other admins, and you're trying to find a way to devise. You know where this individual's uh, attempting to elevate privileges, or he's created this account. Now he's moving around the network. Like it's, it becomes like this this needle in the haystack type of thing, and it's your own environment. It's your own data, and you don't know. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, take inventory of what's important and begin to build controls around that. And if you find yourself in a position where, you know, you don't have a total idea of how to secure it. You know, then you know, look at some of the consultants, some of the consultants, and you know, 
your, your city, your state, maybe outside of your state, you know, that can help you that have experience in those areas vis-a-vis O'Shea. But <laughs> it's, it's always like the inventory part is tough because it's hard to look, it's hard to self-reflect at times. Like you want to believe that your, your data, your environment is totally secure. You want to believe your people have the best interest at heart, which most of the times they do uh, from, you know, from uh, the different technology teams. But it just takes a few slip ups for something bad to happen. Like, I mean, I think, you know, look at what happened with uh, Capital One. Like that's one person that caused that recently, mm-hmm. allegedly. You know, one individual that had uh, access to their EC2 instances into their into their into their uh, their Amazon servers and was able to create you know a backdoor for herself and then wreak havoc. Like that's one person that no one else saw this change. So you know, it's it's the small little things that you overlook that can have like the hugest impact. Absolutely, that's uh, that's very sound advice. Cool. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Well, hey, I, I really appreciate you uh, taking the time. Like I said, I know I know you're a busy guy. Um, any conference? I know we talked about that you're going to be at DEF CON doing some training um, this year. Any other conferences you have on your horizon, whether it's speaker or attending, where maybe people listening might be able to kind of meet up with you at? Uh, sure. I'll be at DEF CON Blue Team Village. I'm leading a workshop with uh, a woman named Sarah Gibson. She's awesome. Application security uh, consultant for Veracode. So bringing Boston to, uh, to DEF CON. Uh, nice. so uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, so I'll be leading a workshop at, at DEF CON at Blue Team Village. Uh, September, I'll be in San Antonio for the Techno, Techno Digital Forensics Conference. Actually, there's another woman that's doing the presentation with me there. That's Mary Galloway, the CEO of uh, okay. Cyber, Women of Cyber Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, so she'll be presenting with me there. And then I go back to September, I think in October, October, I go back to San Antonio for the Texas Cyber Summit. Uh, I'm like super excited about this. This is like the first <laughs> one I was looking at. So I'm like crazy pumped. They have some awesome, awesome speakers. Uh, and I think uh, Robert Lee from Dragos and uh, okay, Jeff Moss. Nice. Yeah, Jeff Moss is like, they're, they're like the headliners there. Are they like the keynotes there? But it's, it's a really like, nice. I, I like their, I, I, I don't, if, you ever, if you've never heard of Texas Cyber Summit, they're very, it's it's very technology driven, so it's not they don't have a lot, they don't really allow like vendor pitches or anything along those lines. It's really looking at individuals, other cybersecurity practitioners, and allow them to bring their research or what they're working on or their or their ideas there to present. And they want you know actual work that can be replicated or built inside of another environment. But it all has to be this very like it's very like personalized. Like bring your stuff with you, right. and you know let others hear it. Right. So it's not this. I work at this, whatever, this vendor, and we're, and we're going to talk about this tool we made, or I'm going to talk about how we use this tool. Like, it's very, like, bring your personal, bring your passion, and then let's talk about it there. So I'm, like, crazy excited for, uh, <laughs> for a Texas Cyber Summit, like, super excited. And I think I'll maybe do a day of security in late September in, uh, in San Francisco. i got to get back with Kyle. <laughs> I haven't said yes or no yet, but th- there's, those are, like, the few I'll, I'll likely be at. I, I, I'm, I'm planning to attend... Uh, uh, Wild, Wild West Hacking Fest uh, later this year too. Okay, nice, nice. Definitely, uh, definitely staying busy. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I don't like to get bored. <laughs> nice. Well, yeah, I, I, I really appreciate you um, hopping on. Uh, for those, for everyone listening, I'm going to link in the podcast episode. I'll link all the stuff we've talked about as far as uh, O'Shea's business, so the Null Hat Security, you know, the podcast he's doing, and anything else that he wants to share. Um, 
with you guys. Uh, I'll make sure I link that up when we get this uh, episode published. So I just want to say thanks again, O'Shea. Really enjoyed having you on. You gave some really, really good information across the board. Um, and hopefully this is going to be uh, beneficial for somebody out there. Yeah, I hope so. And if anyone has or wants to reach out to me, I'm on Twitter at Sir My Blood. Uh, it's like a mix of the whole Harry Potter thing, like <laughs> Muggles and Wizards. So it's like I told you, super nerdy, man. Yeah, we'll uh, like like I said, we'll we'll link uh, all all that stuff, um, including his social security number for everybody. So um, you'll get all that stuff. So yeah, nine one one nine one nine one nine one one. Yeah, just keep dialing that. You'll get the help you need. Yes. <laughs> cool. Thanks for cool. having me, man. All right, you bet, man.